0: This December 16th and 17th, Northwest Valley Baptist Church presents A Walk Through Christmas, a special night of fun and excitement for all ages. Come and see the live nativity scene with animals and narration. Listen to live Christmas music and caroling while enjoying hot chocolate and coffee. Take part in crafts for kids and explore our candy cane forest. Take a complimentary family picture at one of our photo booths. Get your free tickets at walkthroughchristmas.org or go to Eventbrite and search Walk Through Christmas.
1: If you want God's blessing, If you want God's providential protection, if you want God's preservation in your life, walk closely with Him. His instructions prevent. His providence protects. I'm Celeste Montague.
0: Welcome to Dare to Stand, a radio ministry of Northwest Valley Baptist Church in Glendale, Arizona, featuring the teaching of senior pastor Dr. Kevin Shaw. Dare to Stand is on the radio to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to all who will listen, to carefully teach the truth of God's word, and to encourage a healthy lifestyle of worshiping and honoring God. For more details about Dare to Stand or the ministry of Northwest Valley Baptist Church, please visit www.daretostand.org or call the church at 623-581-3115. You can receive a free MP3 copy of today's message or the entire series in MP3 format for a small fee by contacting the church. Today, we continue our study of the life of Elisha, the prophet, who took the mantle of the role of prophet of God after Elijah, bringing us part two today of a message titled Preservation and Destruction. Let's listen as Dr. Shaw continues to tell the story of the woman who listened to Elisha and followed his instruction.
1: Let's take a look, first of all, about the God who preserves. And he 's the God of preservation, and it's a wonderful thing here in this story. Then spake Elisha unto the woman uh, whose son he had been restored to life. Now, we have this story, and, it, and it's right here in the text. We tend to look at the story, stories in Scripture as absolutely chronologically. Now, I'm going to read something in this story that might indicate that this story isn't in direct chronological order. And you... And you'll see it here. And it came to pass, the woman comes back, and the king. Verse four. Notice what it says. And the king talked with Gehazi, the servant of the man of God. Now, why would uh, the king's discussion with Gehazi, the servant of the man of God, why might that indicate that this story is not happening at this particular point? Anybody know? Gehazi has a problem right now. I mean, we already know from earlier, Gehazi was struck with leprosy. Well you say, well... Now, I notice you notice this word, it says then. That's simply a connective Hebrew word. It, it could easily be translated now. Uh, now this happened. It's simply telling this particular story. And and I think you say, well, why would a story be out of chronological order? I think it's out of chronological order to put two stories together so we can see what God is doing in the lives of individuals while we also can see what God is doing in the lives of nations. So probably this is a story that happened much earlier because I think it's very unlikely that Gehazi is talking to the king of Israel with leprosy, okay? So, so... So let, let's just talk about this for a moment. It's so, so, so the women here, it's an interesting thing that happens here. There is a famine that is going to happen in the land. And we see in chapter 4, verse 38, a discussion about the famine. Six, chapter, six, chapter 6, verse 25, there's also discussion about the famine in different times in which there was a long period of famine, a period of seven years. And uh, and Elisha tells this woman that there is going to be a famine. There's going to be a famine for a period of seven years. Now, I don't know why. Bible famines seem to always be seven years, but it seems like they're fairly regularly seven years. They were in, the, in Egypt, right? Joseph's prediction of the famine was seven years, but we have a particular famine of seven years. And he says, Arise, go thou, and, and thy household, take the, their, your son, and, and go somewhere else. For seven years, you're going to avoid the famine, the destruction, the difficulties. And there would have been a lot of difficulties that were happening during this land, during the land at this time. Now, I, I, what I think is fascinating is this. In the middle of all the big stuff that God is doing, He cares about the little people. Does that make sense? He, he cares about the individuals. And He gives... Instructions. Now there are his instructions that prevent. In this particular case, he says the famine is coming, and um, and and so go someplace. And she she gets up and she goes to the, the land of the Philistines. Of all places, the land of the Philistines. Now, we know in the Old Testament, Abraham went down to Egypt when there was a time of famine. Uh, we do know that Ab- the the rest of uh, Jacob's family also went down to Egypt in a time of famine. We do see uh, the story of Ruth, for instance, and um, and Naomi and her family, Naomi and Elimelech, taking their boys and going to Moab in, the ta- in a time of famine. And so this was a common thing for people to do, to go in time of famine, but there was enough warning that that she could be preserved. Let me just remind you of something. There are all kinds of warnings in Scripture that can keep us from times of trouble and times of difficulty. Now this was supernatural prophetic warning at a particular time, but God does give us warnings in Scripture that present prevent... Um, us from time of famine. And then God also sometimes simply providentially protects his people from times of difficulty. Now, you say, well, does God do this for everyone? No. There were faithful people that remained in the land, there were prophets that remained in the land. Elisha, for God's purposes, remained in the land. But if you want God's blessing, if you want god's providential protection if you want god's preservation in your life walk closely with him his instructions prevent his providence protects now notice but but that none of that works unless you obey obedience is necessary Now imagine with me for a moment that Elisha says, "There's going to be a famine in the land. Get up, take take up your family, pack them up, and go someplace else." And she says, "That's a lot of work. After all, this is my land that has been my family's land for a long time. After all, she had some sort of farm, we see later in the passage." And and it's been producing an income for us, or it's it's been producing for us. And so I and so she, he says, pick up and leave. And she, and she says, but, but I don't have to do that because God has already provided for us in times past in other ways. But no, he says, this is this is the time of famine, and if you're going to be preserved from this famine, you need to pick up and leave. And you know, to to her credit, she did it. You know what the amazing thing to me about a lot of Christians is? You have very specific instructions in God's word about how you are supposed to behave in certain circumstances, and we sit idly and do nothing. We simply don't obey. But notice what she does. She does. It says, And the woman arose and did, after the saying of the man of God, she went with her household and sojourned in the land of the Philistines. Now, why do you think by the way. Obedience is necessary, but obedience is not always convenient. Moving your whole family to a foreign land is not convenient. It's not easy. But she did it. Well, why did she do it? What was in her brain that would would allow her to respond when other people might not respond? Well, I think it had something to do with the fact that she had a son who had died and yet lived. And when you have a prophet who's had that kind of influence in your family, you do what he says, right? Right? I mean, if he raised your son from from the dead, and he now says something else, whatever he says, let's go do. Isn't this interesting? Weren't you dead? Aren't you alive? Didn't He translate you from darkness to light? Didn't He pick you up and set your feet on the rock and took you out of the miry clay? Didn't He change your perspective in in life? Didn't He do all of those things? If He has transformed you, if He has given you life, ought we not do what He says?
0: Makes sense to me. Dr. Shaw will be back with more on why it's a good idea to obey God. You're listening to Dare to Stand, a radio ministry of Northwest Valley Baptist Church, and part two today of a message titled Preservation and Destruction, as we continue a study of the life and times of Elisha the prophet. Visit daretostand.org. To find out more about Dr. Shaw's church or this radio program, many in our community are struggling with addiction. Here's Dr. Shaw to talk about an addiction recovery ministry at his church called Freedom That Lasts.
1: Hello, this is Kevin Shaw. Are you or someone you know dealing with the agony of an addiction? You cannot change what you do until you let God change who you are. Freedom That Lasts is a discipleship ministry of Northwest Valley Baptist Church that applies the life-transforming principles of the gospel and Christian growth to the problems of life-dominating sins and addictions. All of this happens in an atmosphere of love and accountability. If you would like to know more information about this important ministry, give us a call at 623-581-3115 or visit our website at daretostand.org. Go to the homepage and click the Discipleship Connections button.
0: Thanks, Dr. Shawl. If you would like more details about the addiction recovery ministry called Freedom That Lasts, please contact Northwest Valley Baptist Church at 623-581-3115. And now, let's get back to Dr. Shawl as he talks more about being obedient to God, which is not always convenient. Here's our teacher.
1: Obedience is necessary, but it's not always convenient. But obedience also requires patience. You know the hardest things for us to do? It's to wait on God. See, and oftentimes this is because obedience to God for us is often a means to an end. We ought to be obeying regardless of what God does. But many times our obedience is in order to get something. You know, your, your, your husband or your wife is not obeying, not behaving, not being like a Christian husband or wife should be. And so, well, okay, I'll be like a Christian wife or I'll be like a Christian husband and hopefully that'll turn them around. And you try it for a couple weeks or a month. Maybe you come in back in the past and you say, Pastor Shaw, I, I did it. It's not working. What do you mean it's not working? It's obedience. You're supposed to do it whether it works or not. You're supposed to be obedient. Well, well how long? How long will it take? I don't know. Well, when do, So how, how long do I have to keep doing this? Forever. It's obedience. So, so obedience necess- is necessary. And obedience requires patience. In this case, can you imagine her son saying, Mom, when can we go back home? And her answer is, it's seven years, son. It's five years, son. It's three years, son. It's two more years, son. It it requires patience. God preserves. His providence preserves. So the time comes for her to come back home. And it came to pass as the seven years end, the, the woman returns out of the land of the Philistines. I, now, I don't know if you got this as I read this, but she, here's what this passage is saying. She is making, she's coming back home and she has this family plot of land. Well, what's happened to her family plot of land in the time that she's been gone? Somebody is farming it. You know, she she left, and, and maybe there's the the person with the next door plot of land, and this would have been a common thing in Israel. She's gone. She's gone to the land of the Philistines. What are you going to do with that land? I'm going to farm it, plow it up, plant something there, receive the har- double the land, double the harvest. It might be that the king himself had taken charge of that plot of that, but somebody. Was planting and harvesting on her land while she was gone. And so when she comes home, somebody's there. And she's a woman. She comes and knocks on. We don't even know her name. She knocks on the door. I, I just wanted you to know we're back home. And, you know, my son is an adult now. And he's, he can farm our plot of land now. And whoever is in charge of the land says, "It's not yours anymore. It's mine. I've been farming that for seven years. I've been working on that land. I finally got it to where it's producing now. And for you know, there's been a long period of time. So that 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 is my land. That who are you? And the, what is she going to do? Forcibly take it back? And so the only thing that she can do is go to the king and appeal. And so she's on her way to the king. She's going to appeal. And while she is on her way to the king, the king, for some reason, unbeknownst to us, is having a conversation with Gehazi, who is the spokesman for the prophet Elisha. And so the, the king, I don't know if they were buddies or what. It's, it's an odd conversation that it's actually happening, but, but it, the Bible's describing it. So the king is having a conversation with Gehazi, and the king is saying, listen, I want you to tell me all this stuff that's been going on with this guy, your master. I mean, tell me about uh, uh, tell me all the things that he did and all the things that have happened in his life and all the miracles that have happened. And so uh, Gehazi begins going through the stories. And, uh, and, and in, in the stories he says, And you know, there was a day when he, he actually, a widow's son, he raised him from the dead. I can imagine the king. Nah. I don't believe that. Uh, and so, and then he hears a voice. You know, because there are these people coming in and making appeal to the king. And maybe shouting through the... Maybe they're walking along the street or riding along in a chariot or something like that. And so, but whatever. She cries to the king. And, I, and Gehazi looks out of the corner of his eye and he, he can't believe it. While he's having the conversation, she's making the appeal for her land. Now, do you think that was just a random coincidence... God providentially works in the affairs of mankind to accomplish His purposes for His people. And I guarantee you that's happened in your life at times, even though you didn't see it. So he's having this conversation. And and so he says, My Lord, O King, this is the woman and this is her son whom Elisha restored. These are the people. See them? And the king, now the king's going to get you know confirmation. So he asks, "You come up here." He comes up. You tell me the story. And so she tells the story about what happened. And the story this this random woman pulled out of the crowd. Gehazi had just told the story. Now this random woman pulled out of the crowd tells the exact same story, which confirms the story before the king. Two people, two random people, are not going to tell the exact same story. And the king says, "Okay, give her her land." And not only give her the land, give her everything that it produced while she was gone. God's timely conversation, her timely appeal, the heart of the king in this conversation is turned toward her so that he can bless her. See, the the book of Proverbs says the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. And God can use, i tell you missionary after missionary after missionary, can tell you stories of God using foreign officials and God changing the hearts of people at just the right moment to provide blessing for his people. Walk closely with God. What a foolish thing we do when we seek to do his work while not walking in obedience or in fellowship with him. Because God preserves But there's another story here. God destroys. And let's take a look at this one. It starts in verse 17. Elisha himself goes up to Damascus. Now Damascus at this point is the the primary city in Syria. You know all these stories about the Syrians coming down and they're all struck blind and they're taken to Samaria? That was the Syrians. And then the last story about the Syrians around the walls? That's the Syrians. And now Elisha, is in Damascus.
0: Yeah, Elisha is kind of in the belly of the beast in Damascus. That took guts and faith to just be there. Dr. Shaw will be back with closing thoughts in a moment. Stay tuned. You're listening to Dare to Stand, a radio ministry outreach of Northwest Valley Baptist Church in Glendale, Arizona, where our teacher, Dr. Kevin Shaw, serves as senior pastor. Northwest Valley Baptist Church is located at 4030 West Yorkshire Drive in Glendale. That's just south of the 101 at 40th Avenue. Come visit our new worship center. Sunday worship service is at 930 a.m., Adult Bible studies and Sunday school for all ages are at 11 a.m., and Sunday evening service is at 6 p.m. Child care is provided for all services. Wednesday evening activities include prayer meetings, children's and teens' programs. Northwest Valley Baptist Church also offers a quality traditional Christian education for your children, grades K-12, through at Arrowhead Christian Academy, located right on the church property at 40th Avenue and Yorkshire Drive. For more details about the church, kids' programs, this radio broadcast, or to register your kids for Arrowhead Christian Academy, please visit www.daretostand.org. Or call 623-581-3115. If Dr. Shaw's teaching is a blessing to you, we encourage you to visit daretostand.org. Consider supporting this radio ministry with a tax-deductible donation of any amount. Those donations help to keep Dr. Shaw on the air. We would love to give you free copies of Pastor Shaw's teaching and minister to you personally. So please call Northwest Valley Baptist Church today, 623-581-3115. Let us serve you in any way we can. You're always welcome to visit Sunday morning services at 9.30 a.m. or Sunday evening discipleship at 6 p.m. Don't forget Dare to Stand airs Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. on this same radio station. I'm Celeste Montague inviting you to join us next time For more in our study of the life of Elisha, the prophet. And now, here's Dr. Shaw with some closing thoughts about how God is near, even when we are in dangerous places with dangerous people, like Elisha was in Damascus with King Ben-Hadad. Join us for more next time, right here on Dare to Stand.
1: I don't know. What, it can't be that Elisha went to Damascus very often. But Elisha was in Damascus. That took a certain amount of courage for him to be there. Um, it is interesting here. God is never far away. So King ben Benhadad is sick, and he's in his in his capital city in Syria. And here is Elisha, um, who is right there. Now, it, it's interesting, we don't want to think about God being close when we're doing what we want and we're sinning and all of that. But we sure like the idea of God being close when we want Him in time of need. And it just so happened, the king is, the king Ben-Hadad is sick, and he's heard of Elisha. In fact, he's had to deal with Elisha and his prophecies and the frustration. Remember, it, it, this, is, this is the same people said where his, his soldiers told him, he knows the things that you say in your bedchamber. But he's sick now. It's amazing where people will go when they have deep need.